This episode is in partnership with Roomvo. Roomvo is the number one room visualization tool used by manufacturers, retailers across the globe. To find out more information, visit get.roomvo.com. Welcome, Chris, to the podcast. For the uninitiated, who is Chris Bixby? Wow. Huge question, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, who am I? So, I run a carpet and flooring retail showroom. I kind of see myself as a businessman more so now than a carpet fitter and floor layer. I also run a property company as well with my wife. Uh, She's also involved in, in our in our retail shop, which is Deben Carpets and Flooring, or if you're from up north, generally Devon Carpets and Flooring, you guys yeah. tend to say. Uh, <laughs> the reason it's Deben is because it's a local um, a local river here that comes in off the North Sea, basically. Right. Okay. Uh, that's hen- hence the name. Uh, yeah, and we've got, yeah, we've basically grown from me starting out in a van to now having a resale premises, obviously lock up and unit and things, and we're a team of eight at the moment. We were a bit bigger a few years ago, but after a conscious decision, uh, we're, we're a bit smaller and, and yeah that's where we are today and whereabouts on the course are you so we're based down in suffolk on the outskirts of ipswich right okay and obviously you said that you started in a van what was it carpet fitting or how how did it all start yeah so actually it's a bit of a generational thing so we years and years ago my grandparents had a flooring company in ipswich um, right. and when was it 2000 and eight roughly my granddad passed away and things changed and the business got handed down to my mother and my auntie they ran it for about four years i just started as an apprentice and then they started to close because they were bickering and things you know family business don't always work out because i'm sure some people listening will appreciate that so yeah i then went on my own in a van um job hopped a bit with contracting to people went back on the book somewhere then after a couple of years i was like do you know what i can do this myself so then set up on my own at 24 in a van and um yeah from there it just progressed next natural step was to get a showroom mum comes to work for me so the tides turned a bit yeah. and here we are today 12 years on at 36 so yeah started it opened the shop when i was 24 years old is that when it was now so you opened the shop yeah pretty straight away yeah pretty much yeah within about two years yeah yeah and you in the same premises you've always been in or have you moved a couple of times We've moved, but on the same site. So where we are is like a horseshoe shape as such um, of little business units. Yeah. So we've basically just hopped into bigger ones. We've finally now got like a double showroom, half doing LVT and a little bit of wood, and then mainly carpet on, on one side. And that's what I was just about to ask. What what products are you mainly selling? Are you a domestic, commercial, or what? what's... The... So we are 80% domestic, about 20% commercial, um, with a split, I'd say, of... 50-50 carpet and LVT, but I would knock a little bit of percentage off that with a little bit of wood as well. And we're actually trying to get a bit more into wood because I've noticed a bit of a little bit of a change in in, in consumers with uh, LVT being, yeah, right, it's been growing for years and years, but it's plastic essentially, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, so well, a few, say, a few, few reasons as I've looked at it is that um, we had a customer, it still sticks in my mind, a couple of years ago, it was in between like lockdowns and things. And we, you know, the, we were one of the fortunate trades that were still able to open up, weren't we? So yeah, when still operate. And I had a lady come in with her son and they were looking at an LVT floor. I can't remember which brand, the Candy Modulae or something. And uh, the little boy said, mommy, what is this made of? And she looked at me and I said, oh, I, 
essentially it's plastic. And he said, oh, we don't like that word in school. That's a bad word. And I'm like, it's a little light bulb moment of like, oh, no, right? Is the LVT flooring, is that going to be dead in like 20 years' time? More people in school now, hey, who knows? We haven't got a crystal ball. But from a business point of view, I then started thinking, yeah, actually, I can see that. So I started then, we were getting, again, go back to other jobs and things where we'd done, say, going in to do carpets, we'd done the ground floor of LVT. And I started to notice that some LVTs just look a bit crap after like two years, you know? Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm trained and versed in doing, but the doctor shoots refinishing of floors as well. So in terms of refinishing LVT. Yeah. Um, did the course up in floor skills and done a few installations of it since or, or re, you know, refreshes of floors and things. And you still don't get as good a finish as what the factory finish is. And then on the, as well, in, in so linking this all together, I, I, we then moved house and in the new house we moved into, we've got wood in the front room that's already there when we moved in. Right. That had been laid a year before we moved in. And today we've been there three years, just about. Um, that wood floor looks better than it has we moved in. They age nicer, don't they? You know, the scuffs in it, the grain comes out more, et cetera. And yeah. it looks stunning. And I just thought, yeah, I can see a shift into, firstly, from an eco point of view, from going from LVT to wood. But secondly, like from a sales point of view, we're now saying to people, oh, actually, is this a, is it a five-year that, you know, you can, yes, LVT will be cheaper than wood, a five-year investment, or is it a, you're going to be there, is this your forever home? And a wood floor is going to look stunning for 15 or 20 years. You see, so we're kind of taking, we're trying to shift a bit more into wood flooring now, actually. Yeah, I've got a very biased view. LVT, I think yeah. it's a real great product, um, serves a purpose. I've had it in multiple houses, predominantly more in bathrooms and kitchens, but there isn't anything that's, I mean, I, I, it sounds sad, but I can still get excited about a nicely fitted wooden floor, but I yeah. don't think I could ever get excited, no matter what the design or how much work's gone into it. Um, and there's some real nice design stuff going about now, some really talented mm-hmm. guys doing this, but there's it just doesn't excite me. It's still, when you come back to it, plastic with a picture on. And there's nothing going to stop that. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that yeah. is fine. There is nothing. But when you see some real uh, real wood, it, it's, yeah, it just completely changes. So, yeah, I don't know, 100%. A, a strange thing that I've found with a lot of uh, retail stores, uh, predominantly with staff maybe, not owner operated and i don't know if you find the same but the guys that are very very used to selling the lvt and carpet when you when the owner brings in wood the sales staff are actually petrified to sell it because they think this it might all go wrong or it's it's like a really Mm -hmm. scary thing to sell have you found that within your staff at all that they they would like hide from the wood a little bit and then just go back to their comfort zone of the bigger brands the you know candy or whatever people pull away from it because they think something's going to go wrong or it's going mm-hmm. to dent by the first like easy drop or something it seems to be scared yeah funny enough i can agree with that and i'm really badly here on a podcast i'm going to throw my mum under the bus so yeah she's, she's terrible for this <laughs> so she she's back in her old business they used to do quite a lot of wood with cars and back then they used to float it quite a lot very rarely they'd stick down and yes exactly that they got a lot of problems so it's etched into her that oh my word wood is a problem you know, but actually, nowadays, as we know, most of them are stuck down. You know, probably ninety nine percent of wood floors should be stuck down. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's minimising that. Is so yes, they it's minimising that risk, but getting staff to understand that also the end consumer. Again, it comes back to education, doesn't it? You know, so you know, educating the you know not the well yes the staff, but also the end consumer. Yes, it will scratch, but so will an LVT. But actually, what's going to look better in two years' time? You know, it's a no brainer. 
Exactly. I think that, that's all it comes down to is education and then obviously yeah. confidence, the installation. I think people are buying yeah. confidence. So the minute a sales staff or an owner operator sort of it is not confident with the product they're selling, that immediately comes out in the sales sort of funnel. And yeah. it just can, you're walking away from a job that, yes, some jobs categorically should be LVT. And, you know, there should be no reason why you say, no, wood's not suitable. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, there should be other um, sales processes. That what you want here, um, obviously, with after, after taking a brief, a wooden floor would also look lovely in this situation. Let, let's yeah. look at both options. So yeah. it's absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's right. And, and I think we've, so as a, as a retailer, we've been guilty. I've been guilty of it as well because... I mainly specialise in carpet and LVT and have fitting well. I can fit wood, but not to the same level or knowledge or degree of knowledge as what I can do LVT, say. But I've been guilty of pushing people down the LVT route, say, for the last 10 years, you know, and it would it it would have been some jobs that would have been more suitable for wood. Yeah, 100%. But again, it's having that confidence of, right, you know, relearning something and getting becoming an expert in that now, you know. Yeah. And with having um, a retail store there, um, in the flooring industry, um, apart from education and apart from COVID and supply issues, because we've mm -hmm. I think we've covered that uh, till the cows come home, what do you feel is the biggest challenge running a flooring business? Mm, biggest challenge? Good question. So I would say complaints <laughs> so you're you're always going the reason behind this is so you you will always get a complaining customer you could do the best job in the world but for some reason they may not take to you right and they'll find a, a fault and having learned the hard way is i've learned basically to to turn complaints into an opportunity yeah. so don't look don't look at it as like oh my god this customer is awkward except yeah right they may be awkward right but You've got to approach it like how do I completely flip this on its head? So, for example, we had one a complaint last year where we ordered we did a ship's decking style in someone's study, and they really really fussy customers. They took ages to um, decide on the product, deliberating, blah blah blah. We went to go fit it. They cleared all their study out. The guy worked from home, so quite a big thing for him. And uh, they were the wrong strip colours for the ship's decking. Yeah. He hit the roof, right? <laughs> But what we did, obviously, we went out of our way, got the new strips, et cetera, got it all fitted as quick as possible. I went down the road in the village we live in, in Suffolk, there's a little deli there. And so I went to the deli that night and said, look, can you sort me a hamper out really, really quick? Right, I need, yeah. like, don't care what's in it. I don't have to go out drink. Just put, like, a nice bottle of wine in, et cetera, et cetera. 50 yeah. quid, right, up to the value of 50 pound. She said, yeah, fine, we're ready for any morning to pick up. So I picked that up in the morning, ran it round to him. This was before we had the strips, actually, yeah. um, as in the new strips. Ran it around to him, knocked on his door, uh, Mr. Smith or whatever his name was. You know, he's really sorry. What's going on? We're acting as quick as we can. He was, and he was quite a, quite an abrupt guy as well. You know, he, he was pissed off, understandably. Yeah, the hamper just killed it completely. He was like, "Wow, that's really nice, thanks." <laughs> he was like, "Don't worry about kindness. it." Was, yep, exactly. And it was just, so I just turned into an opportunity. And actually, we've since had recommendations from him. You know, which is the last person you think you get recommendations from because of just that one act of kindness. So yeah, it's kind of in terms of that being a biggest challenge. I think that I've learned that the hard way though. Like we used to just get ourselves in a bit of a flat, to be honest, and wouldn't deal with it, you know. And it's just facing it full on. And the hardest, the hardest thing, which I now don't find hard to do, is just pick up the phone to them. 
You know, yeah. we used to respond. We used to respond with an email or hide a bit, and it just used to bite us all the while. So yeah. no, I've hundred percent agree. I've I've advised. I wouldn't even want to say. Um, certainly, in fifty plus clients that have said, "What would you do in this instance?" Well, there's two things: one, get in the van and go and knock on the door, or two, yeah. pick the phone up. Don't start yeah. writing emails. Don't start tapping on your computer. Yeah, just give give them a call, have a chat. Everyone's a human. Everyone makes a fuck up. Just yeah, a ninety nine point nine percent, unless the customer's completely unreal, uh, realistic and unreasonable. Um, mm-hmm. that will kill it in its tracks completely. And I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, gifts or just but immediate response, not like, oh, give me two days, I'll come back to you. It's like, right, I'm at your doorstep, I'm here. Um, we are where we are. Something's happened. It's out of our control or in our control. Um, but just people blow up and then they come back down quite quickly. And I think it's yeah, they the, do. Yeah. the speed of your re- retaliation in a nice way. Um, is that how quick you can get this under the carpet? The minute you know, fifty-four emails are being sent back and forth. Suddenly, there's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. solicitors' letters and oh, you've done this, you've done that, and I think yep. it's, you know, I think it's that's right. And I, I think when you leave it to Stu, which is what we used to do, you then you know the you leave it a day or two, say, and then they think, oh yeah, they speak to somebody at work. Oh, I'll be going for compensation, and then all of a sudden you get an email. You've just if you act quick and get in there, you've cut that, haven't you? They don't even they don't go down that that kind of trail of thought you know no it's it's dealt with it's quick and then it's you know even even agreeing what's happening next you know so this is where we are now this is what's going to happen i'll personally come back to sign it off Mm -hmm. i've got full control of this situation but you know Mm -hmm. and people will be more accommodating um so in a more positive light what's your ideal um customer chris so it's funny, I knew, I knew, well, I thought you might ask this, obviously, haven't listened to your podcast. And I, I was thinking about this over the weekend. And it's quite varied because we do such a wide, wide variety of work. But I look through our, our current customers, existing customers, and who spent a lot of money with us, basically. Yeah. And actually, really, really specifically, it's, it's business owners that run medium to large businesses. Right. Right. The reason is, like, for example, recently we've done um, a fairly big carpet tile job in a commercial area. Um, and the guy that owns the company has also got his around his house. Now he's picked all premium products, carpets over like £80 a square metre. So he's spending good money personally, but he's also spending good money commercially as well in, in his company. Yeah. So I started looking further back. And actually, there's, when you look at our customers, our biggest spend over the years, generally most years, it will always be someone that's running a business or as high up in a company so you've done commercial work for them and then you're you're basically already validated to do work in their home aren't you or vice versa for their company you see so yeah really 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 specific i know but yeah and obviously we we cover a wide wide range right from rentals to you know also and that's the other thing i suppose that sometimes some of these business owners because they've got good money if they're running a good you know good size company they'll also have rental properties so actually become as a as a as a whole actually really valuable you know yeah, they can. Uh, yeah, they recommend or, or use you for other services. No, I love that. Love that. And over the years, apart from word of mouth, because we know that's be the best way. How have you got clients to find you and 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 spend money with you? What's what's been the best tactic you've found? Oh, best tactic. Multiple, I'd say. So, um, first and foremost, something really simple would be in a retail showroom. A couple of 
boards on the side of the road, you know, just with arrows as where we are. You know, yeah. the amount of people that have come past that don't know you're there. So that's more so for general walk-ins, say. And we bear in mind, we're not in, on the high street. We're on like an industrial park. Yeah. So people might be passing and saying, oh, carpet shop, let's just pop in, or flooring shop, we'll pop in. So they've been really good. Um, I, I bought them what, when I was 24 to 12 years ago. They're still standing today. They cost <laughs> me a couple of hundred quid. We've got like four dotted around the industrial park, you know. So yeah, great return on investment. Great return on investment, yeah. Um, as well as over the years, yeah, good a good spend on like SEO, Google Ads as well. Um, so yeah, they've, they've always been just a healthy return each month, to be honest, you know, with, with good inquiries. And then really it's down to down to like our network, you know, right from that when I mentioned earlier about the generational thing of like my grandparents, first of all, starting a business. Yeah. I know it is word of mouth, but it is that it's that network and ensuring that we're on the first person that comes to people's head, you know. So that so I'm always kind of what's what's the correct word? Um just being consistent. Being consistent with people that, um, yeah, we're we're me and my wife Rachel say we run the company together, making sure that we're we're the first port of call. So again, that comes back down to our network of you know all our friends and family will obviously use us, and then their wider friends and family. So yes, obviously you mentioned word of mouth, we know that, but it's but it's I think it's more than that. You need to make sure that they're not considering anyone else. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the old saying of uh, your network is your net worth. I think that's exactly the, that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly that. And obviously, with you being on the tools and with everything like that, have you personally got a go-to product? Um, if you were building the dream house, what what would you have fitted if you had no limits? Wood, <laughs> wood, on, wood on the ground floor. Yeah, wood on the ground floor everywhere. Um, I would go for, which I've currently got in the bedrooms at home. I would go for Brockway Rare Breeds Twist Carpet. I think it's lovely straight off the sheep's back undyed wool so. still still barring in the uh team. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah never know what you might find if you look too close yeah, yeah. it's that it's that fresh it's just <laughs> still making a noise brilliant yeah. and yeah. over the years you must have had some so what is the best bit of advice you've ever received and can you remember who it was from and what situation it was yeah so couple of bits really something really simple so when i when i first set up on a back when i was 24 i was called cb flooring so my initials chris bixby right and then um when i decided to get the retail premises i thought right now we're going to change it have a rebrand and be deben because of the local river and i went to go see my then accountant he's no longer my accountant but i said to him um what what do you think i'm going to change my name blah 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 to deben flooring and he said well what what is it you want to do? Because you do, obviously you do carpets. I've been doing your books. I know that, you know, I, I did his carpets. He, I said, yeah, I want to be carpets as well. He said, right, well, in your name, you should have what you do. So he changed my name to Deben Carpets and Flooring. And lo and behold, <laughs> obviously we do carpets and flooring. I thought, you know, it's so simple. And I see other companies and um, one guy may be listening. I won't mention names, but he said to me, similar last year, I wanted more carpets. I said, well, actually your, your name says that you're such and such flooring. Maybe you should change it to carpets and flooring. And again, he's done the same. And lo and behold, he's getting carpet inquiries. So, yeah, yeah something really simple. I think just having your name, what you do, you know, it's, um, I think for, for a retailer anyway. So, yeah, I think it's, it's really Great important. bit of advice that yeah, I, I did yeah. exactly the same back in the day. I think I, our first um, company was branded um, with interiors in the name. And then 
and that covered floor sanding, floor fitting. Uh, we used to hang doors and do a little bit of joinery. So interiors was a fitting. I think we did a bit of staircases and new um, yeah. handrails and things like that, glass balustrades. And so it was a good fit. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to rebrand and completely sort of restructure everything and just really nail down on wooden flooring. And I remember, strangely, again, it's a strange thing you remember, I was in York for some reason. I think we were doing a university in York. And I saw this van go past and it said, the Stone Fireplace Company. I was like, really? What? <laughs> I know exactly what they do. Um, yeah. And, that's, and yep. that's where the Wood Floor Company was born because I just thought, hang on. If you see that on a van, the Wood Floor Company, it's quite clear what you do, you know. And that, exactly. That, at the time, that covered floor sanding, that covered floor fitting. Um, yeah. And it future proofed yeah. it. So, yeah, it was uh, brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, very true. Another, just one other thing as well from, um, bits of advice I got an old uh, she's no longer my my mentor he's ever like a business coach and she's been a mentor for me as well for quite a few years she's now retired um but one thing is she always said to me don't be afraid to put your prices up that was the other thing you know because it's amazing so we I remember when I first when I first went to her she said yeah um we need to put your prices up put them up 10 percent and I jokingly said yeah that's that's what covers your costs obviously right and then she said no no seriously and then Another six months later, we put a price up 10%. So all of a sudden, in six months' time, you're making 20%, not making, all right, but you're turning over 20% more for the same amount of work. Yeah. And nobody battered an eyelid. No one noticed, you know. And and I always think we're, we're, we're too quick to knock ourselves down when actually you should create more value and, you know, put your prices up and, and deliver that service. No one's going to bat an eyelid at all, really. That, that's exactly everything about, you know, people are petrified of putting prices, oh, they won't pay this and more. We'll stop worrying about that and then worry about the client experience, worry about how much value you bring in. People are like, how can I bring value to fit in a bedroom carpet? Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of ways, you know, if they don't mm-hmm. get a great experience when they come either to the store or when they, um, you know, you come out in your van with samples or whatever. It, so, I mean, yes, the cost is sometimes important, especially in this day and age. Yeah. But if they genuinely think they're going to get a better job, they will pay more. So no matter if you're yeah. the cheapest or the most expensive, if your client experience is shit, you know you're highly unlikely to get the job. But that's yeah. it's just focus on that client experience. I couldn't agree more. And I think I've given so many analogies of like you know if you go out for a, a steak dinner and you know steak can be up to sixty quid for one person, which is a hideous amount of money for just a piece of meat and some chips. But if it's world class in a brilliant environment, you think it's great value. You know, you exactly. might have to go every week. But then, if you get a really sh- shit steak at the beef eater for sort of seven ninety nine, it's still a shit steak. So you yeah, know, it is, and it's yeah. not. It's still not good value. You know. So yeah, you you can do it with flooring and everything like that. So I don't know why. Well, I do. People will be people, but it's uh, you. You can charge. To the value of what you bring to the table, I really exactly. Yeah, think that. shouldn't shouldn't. Don't be afraid to put them up either. It's just yeah, it's something that we've done. I'm not saying we're doing it every month, but we, no. it's something we review. We review it all the while, definitely. So. Oh, you've got you've got to with the prices going up on everything. People haven't. Oh, I'm putting price up for two years, but yeah, well, how much is diesel gone up in two years? How yeah. how much is your insurance gone up in two years? It's like yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, that means you're making X miles. It's got everything's gone up. You know. It's, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and can you remember what the worst bit of advice someone has given you? Um, yeah, but this I can't remember. I can't remember who, but um, again, it's related to pricing, actually. 
someone said to me once it was it was it was a of it i can't remember if it was in our trade or not but of it, it was someone in a trade anyway um and they said to me yeah, you're better off getting that job at a discount than not doing it at all and at the time i was like hold on and i thought well you're not though are you <laughs> and then since and they still anyway it doesn't matter who it is but yeah yeah and they, so they would be obviously working so they're working more for less money and it just didn't add up to me i thought that's that's completely the wrong way of doing business in my opinion so yeah yeah just yeah because also when you if you if you are doing that i think you then create a discount culture don't you you know i'll go and see for example go see chris he'll give you a discount it's like well actually what the fuck should i <laughs> and, and those customers exactly breed breed themselves if that makes sense. so if you've got yeah. customers always looking for that deal and it does fit some business models you know sort of 70 percent off this weekend that that's fine but it attracts yeah. that clientele but then the clientele yeah. that want to pay more want world-class service also have friends and family that yeah. that also attract that to you by magnetizing yourself with that mm -hmm. exactly like a cheap mentality it magnetizes the wrong customers and then people sit there scratching their head thinking why don't I get these world-class customers that want to spend like 10, yeah. 15, 20 yeah. grand? Did I only get five grand customers? Well, okay, so why is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's exactly. normally a reason. You know, it, it, like it's some, something, something I listened to recently, I can't remember where it was, about the, um, maybe you heard the story about the Indian hotel owner. No. Where he, I think it was about 20-odd years ago, he um, went into work one day and he was basically just manic and running, running like a real big business in, in India at this manic hotel and he turned around he went home that night really stressed etc and he said to his wife right when I go in in the morning I'm gonna make a huge change but you'll find out about it so he went in the next morning got all his staff in and said right we're doubling our prices and everyone went what 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 you can't do this you're you know we'll only be half full and he said well yeah exactly <laughs> so we'll be half full for double the cost and we'll, we'll be turning over the same but we're going to work less as hard less hard you know so you look at, I'm not saying we should all double our prices. It'd be lovely if we could, but yeah, there's, you know, where you position yourself and all of a sudden he started to get, you know, let's say princes and that type of thing, going to go into his hotel rather than your run of the mill people, you know, and they're working less hard for it. So, yeah. No, I think that's, that's definitely the way everything should go towards that, you know, make the flooring industry, you know, a sort of, not a luxury product, but that type of line and then really look for the, you know, What's the word? I don't even know. Um, I think, well, it goes with every trade, if, if I'm honest. You know, you you go for a kitchen, you go for a, a hotel, mm -hmm. food, everything like that. Everything that's world-class is an enjoyable experience. So why why can't flooring yeah. be an enjoyable experience? Cause yeah, yeah, we, exactly. We spend a lot of time stood on it, either at work or at home. Mm -hmm. So it just makes, you know. So what is next this in the next 12 months for Deben Carpets and Flooring? Ooh. what's the game plan what's the game plan <laughs> so we are going to try and shift a little bit more towards wood as we mentioned earlier but also have a complete refit of our showroom and again link linking back to what we spoke about earlier with the uh, with the lvt comment from the little boy about oh, is, is it plastic i can see a I think a bit of a movement towards showing I, I don't like the term eco warrior because i think this i think it's a little bit kind of derogatory to that because actually it's a, it is a thing isn't it you know it's yeah. a it's a it's a it's a section of the market so yeah we're going to try and focus a little bit more on uh on wood on eco products so in terms of you know natural wool carpets like the brockway rare breeds mentioned earlier 
sizal, albeit sizal has a rubber backing. I'm not really sure how how uh, how eco friendly it is, but yeah, kind of going down that. So just bit, try and be a bit different, you know, and yeah, just see. I think there's a. I think there's a. There's a. Probably edit this bit out because I'm just trying to think where I'm going with it. <laughs> um, what am I trying to say here? So yeah, I think there's a movement towards people looking for more sustainable products. You know, and it's, we obviously we see that in everyday life, don't we? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, how can how can we adjust to that? I think eco products in terms of wood, wood mainly, and just making our service that that ten times better. You keep using the word world class, and it's exactly that, isn't it? That's where that's where we want to be. Yeah. You know? Brilliant. And um, controversial subject: um, de-branded showroom or lots of brands available for the client to look at. What's your opinion on uh, the company name everywhere? Um, or having a shop full of um, what they call generic flooring stands. I'm going to call them. Okay, so I can see pros and cons of both. Generic flooring stands. I feel like it um, verifies you as a company. You know, so for example, you walk in, you might see Candine, Cormar. They're everywhere, aren't they? Oh, this verifies them. They know what they're doing. However, I'm actually a big fan of de-branded. Um, you know, why should customers come in, look at your samples, take a picture, go online? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can find this for X amount. Great. So what are we? We're not we're not a library, are we? You know? Oh. <laughs> so so yeah, for me, the branded, I think. And that's again, that's something we're gonna be looking at doing in our showroom. Less is more and and keep it so um something like what you guys do with a wood floor company, you know, and you yeah. you snap your snap your wood or your barcode on the back, it takes you to your website with your wood as no one else's. Because uh, again, it's a it's a bit like a we sell loads of candine, right? Good products, we do well with it. You know, it's a massive part of our business. For example, you come to our showroom, you've come to us on recommendation, you look at the products, you then go, Oh, great, there's also someone else four miles down the road. Let's go look at how much they've got it. Well, it kind of defeats the object of again being a retail premises, doesn't it? You know, you, you can't barricade people in your showroom until they pay a deposit. So. And if you pay yeah. for the premium displays, you're well into normally into five figures to buy these, these yep. nice stands. Yep. I like that. You could call it a five-figure library. <laughs> five-figure library, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, charge I mean, entry, yeah. Yeah, char yeah, charge entry to come and view what you think. Yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah. no, I, I, I'm on that. I think, I think D-branded, uh, I agree some ways uh, that the brands do help you get clients and they, they, they obviously want to be out in the market, which commercially makes sense. But mm -hmm. the smaller retailer, I think you can protect your margin, protect your staff's, staff's time. Um, I think give a better client experience by you've yeah. spent your expertise going out to the market and saying, yeah, this is what I've chosen. This is what I'm bringing to you. Know, and that doesn't matter if you've got Candy and Antico, Ted Todd, um, you know all the other the brands or whoever they are yeah you've selected the best products from each one or whatever it is because then you can guide the client through from what they've told you to get that client experience which is the whole thing i'm you know i, I mm -hmm. waffle on about all the time but that's i think you can provide a better client experience with someone that actually knows their shop inside out because then you're not given a biased view what you want is this where well, you shouldn't be telling the client what they want at all they should be telling you what they want and then you guiding them to the options yeah that's that's you know and the more not the more options that's not the right but the more options you've already sifted through for a client prior to them getting there to find again we'll go back to world class products 
because you know, there is some products that are needed with some brands and there is some that are definitely needed so yeah 100 uh, protecting yeah. yourself protecting your revenue i don't think there's anything wrong with doing that so brilliant no, so true. we are now going to quickly go into the quick fire round which is just a bit of information about you a bit of fun on the podcast mm -hmm. um tea or coffee which one's your go-to drink cool that's tough if i had to pick one yeah probably coffee i think uh, are you a sugar man or you just, are you no just... no no sugar it's just a, I, I quite like the buzz from coffee you know i normally only have like one or two a day but i think my productivity goes up when i have one it has to be coffee yeah you're, you're just rubbing it in now it's uh yeah all right yeah yeah <laughs> if anyone doesn't know tom's been caffeine free for a lot of the year i think so. yeah, yeah, 12, 12 months caffeine free so that is no energy drinks no caffeinated drinks at all so yeah we're having fun with that one but anyway yeah. Um, skiing or sunbathing and why which one okay my wife will kill me here but skiing 100 love it absolutely love it yeah I, don't be wrong i love a love a hot holiday right but if i had to choose slope with a pint and an apple strudel yeah you know i'm, I'm there on the side of the slope definitely brilliant and if you won five million on tonight's lottery what are the first five things you would buy oh good question excluding a skiing trip excluding extreme okay in no particular order graham our main carpet fitter who i know will be listening i'd buy him a new van because he'd be on at me for about three years <laughs> so <laughs> that would be the first thing <laughs> um yeah he'd be pleased about that uh secondly i would Relating to skiing, I'd buy two properties abroad, one in one on a ski slope somewhere. The second one would be uh, somewhere hot. I mean, we currently live in the countryside, right? So I want something like in a city. It's got a football team, so I can watch a half decent football because I currently follow Ipswich. Uh, so somewhere like <laughs> Seville or Barcelona, somewhere it's hot and yeah, it'd be quite nice. Um, also, that's technically three things. Four things, I'll probably buy a few more properties. We, we already do a little bit of buy to let here. So I'd buy a few more just because I quite like the passive income you get from it. Yeah. Um, fifth thing, really elaborate, which is where this is where a lot of the money would go, actually. Quite, yeah. <laughs> I would actually set up an independent school. Right. So we've yeah. got, wow. yeah, so we've got, we've got a little girl, Sophia, she's two and a half. And uh, I just look at the current like curriculum and stuff of schools. I'm like, it's the same shit that they were teaching me 30 yeah. years ago, you know? Like, why has it not changed? I just think there's a, I think there's a lot of value for like not necessarily little kiddies, but you know, like when you get to high school, like I don't know, the world's changed in terms of, you know, yeah, right. You still need to learn how to speak, how to write, where things are in the world, and uh, you know, your timetable, right? But there's so much more you can learn in terms of like business, health. You know what I mean? There's just, there's just, I think there's so much that could be done. So yeah, independent school, I'd be all over that. And I, I want like entrepreneurs to go in and like teach stuff. They, cause I think there's like business owners got so much to give, you know? Yeah, no, completely. Yeah. yeah. Real world teaching. I think that's, uh, yeah. we had the awkward conversation this morning. Yeah. With our, um, not with our, me and Sarah had a conversation and I took the kids to the park last night. It's a lovely, lovely night. And, um, uh, 12 year olds well into his um, stunt scooter and so there's all these oh, yeah. 360s and all these mental tricks but anyway at the park there was some probably 15 or 16 year old kids 
let's say smoking things other than um tobacco <laughs> let's say <laughs> and i can quite clearly smell it but i mean i took my six-year-old away from the situation but william wanted to go on the half pipe and all this and it's like we sat and discussed this morning how do you educate a 12 year old like what they were smoking but the thing that i found even more like mind-blowing um not due to any experience in the past but um was they were smoking weed while they were skating at seven o'clock at night drinking monster and i'm like last time i checked um that smoking weed would let's say calm you down and chill you out (laughs) but then you were fueling your body with monster at seven on a night and i'm like how can I describe this to a 12-year-old that that's probably not the greatest idea? And I'm still a little bit unsure and still want to give it some thought. But even education on what's in Monster and what's exactly you know, what's yeah. in the old wacky backing, what are the results from it? You know, and I don't know if that should be on the cu- curriculum or not. But it's uh, yeah. it's day-to-day life. This is, you know, in a very quite affluent park in Darlington. Um, and the kids were not creating any fuss, they weren't being um abusive they were being you know they were doing tricks on the scooters it all it just the only reason i noticed was the smell so yeah but yeah but then you see at 12 years old that your son sees that so what's he then going to aspire to but if he doesn't if he's not educated then he can't make that decision can he no so exactly so yeah that's brilliant brilliant investment uh with education yeah i think that's so yeah certainly would make parenting a little bit easier but uh yeah i've got to deal with that at some point um So, are you into cars? What would be the the go to car if uh, if you got the five? No, million? I'm, yeah, I'm not a car. I'm not a car man. No. But I do have my current dream vehicle because it serves a multitude of purposes. Right? Right. So I've currently got a VW Transporter Combi. Right. Oh, yeah. Last week I flopped the seats down in it. Went out and fitted a four meter carpet. So you can just fit four meter in it. Only one room though. So one room a day. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can get sheets apply in it you can get lbt you can get wood in it then at the weekends me and my wife daughter and our two cocker spaniels we went out walking we all got in there the buggy went in etc as well so it does a multitude of things you know so for me it's practical that's all i need and it drives like a car so yeah happy with that and i'm going to take it to euro 2024 next year in germany and probably go camping so yeah it does what it does what i need yeah, yeah i'm not really well. a car man but for the sake of the podcast <laughs> probably an old school like James Bond, Aston Martin type car, you know, Great something choice. to just yeah, something to just whiz around in. Yeah, no, I agree. With yeah, we run, we run a T six as well. Uh, I've, I've even, I think I've driven it around the block. It's a lovely drive, but um, I also have a, a a pal that has a performance car garage, and he tours vehicles around the country, dropping off these really sort of nice motors. And he tours it with a T6, and he's had yeah. uh, he's had just a new one. He does like sixty thousand miles, then gets rid of it. Sixty thousand miles. Yeah. Rid of it. He said he's had Range Rover Sports. Is he's got a week? He's got a Ferrari four five eight stuff like that. Nice. And nice. you know he's got some serious bits of more. But he said I, I always come back to my DSG VW yeah. bus. He said I'd just rather drive that. He's had Discoveries as tour vehicles, and also he just now. I'll, I, I, I'm always going to keep the VW bus, so that's why yeah. we. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'll, I'll be lost without it. So yeah, I've, I've got it. <laughs> and the last question, and probably most importantly, uh, Five Guys, um, Domino's, or Burger King, and why? Oh, which one? So we don't have a Five Guys here in Ipswich that I know of. Wow. Um, An opportunity. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's a franchise? Yeah. Um, 
Oh, Domino's, I'm, oh, you're so salty though, isn't it? You know, there's, there's, yeah, someone mentioned before in your podcast, I think they put something in it, so probably not that. Yeah. It makes you extra hungry and thirsty. So it probably would have to be a Burger King, I think, but that's so, only out of process elimination. Can I clarify, are you a five guys virgin? Is that why you haven't had, or have you been somewhere else and had one? I think I've had one somewhere on an away day with Ipswich, yeah, when I was half cut or probably more than half cut, yeah. <laughs> somewhere. You come back and yeah. your bank balance was rinsed. You'll know you've been to five guys if yeah. you have got money left after the football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I'm not a five guys virgin. No. No. Uh, is it any good? It, it is, yeah. Uh, it's very expensive, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a great burger, but uh, it's okay. radically yeah. expensive. But again, well, saying that like the client experience isn't world class, but the burgers are. All <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. Right, Chris, where can people find you on social media if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, cool. So um as a company, we're on on Instagram, Facebook, uh, as at Deben Carpets, D-E-B-E-N, and the word carpets. Um reach out if you've got a website if you anyone wants to chat. But also you can reach me um on my Instagram handle, which is at Chris Bixby, which is B-I-X-B-Y with a little underscore at the end. Um anyone wants to chat business or anything, always happy to have a chat. You know, always always talking to other retailers and things, you know. Um yeah, reach out, always always happy. There's a few people from um been on here before that, that, that I speak to and things. So yeah. And if if you're from up north it's world world class it's Devon. Deben, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will do my best to uh, keep it Deben from uh, from now on. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm not fast. That's right. Yeah, it's fine. It's all good. All good. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Uh, I've enjoyed this one. Thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Yeah. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's Cockrell and co.co.uk we also have an instagram account which is cockerel and co and also we are on facebook once again don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you here again soon